Welcome into episode 151 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. The Sources Say podcast is presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. That's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. We uh, uh, recorded a recruiting-only podcast yesterday, and as promised, back at it with another pregame show uh, today to preview Kentucky's upcoming matchup against the South Carolina Gamecocks in Columbia. We have our uh, uh, boots-on-the-ground reporter, Sean Smith, is driving down there right now. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm fantastic, Jack. How are you? Well, I'm, uh, I want, want to get a feel for you and, and how uh, the drive is going, how excited you are for this trip against the, uh, this riveting matchup against the 13-9 and South Carolina Gamecocks, who are 4-6 and in SEC play with uh, wins over the Vanderbilt Commodores, Georgia Bulldogs, and Texas A&M. That wraps up their entire SEC uh, conference slate uh, in terms of just total wins, so... There you go. How excited are you for this trip? Well, I just hope Kentucky gets a win because uh, I've been down here twice, uh, 20, 2018, and then the Manuel Quickly Nick Richards team. I was down here for both of those, and then they lost them. This is a place that it hasn't been kind to Kentucky under John Calipari. They've lost quite a few times down here, but the odds are in Kentucky's favor. Tonight, I don't think this is a very good South Carolina basketball team. I know you mentioned their wins there a moment ago, that a win versus Texas A&M is probably one of their better wins of the year. And we know that it looks like Kentucky broke Texas A&M. They've, they've not won a game uh, since leading up to, to that matchup with Kentucky. So definitely uh, one of my favorite road trips, though, because it's only a four-hour drive for an away game for me from down here in East Tennessee. So it's – uh not too bad, but I think Kentucky is going to leave Columbia with the win. And honestly, Jack, the way college basketball is going, you watch Duke lose a, a game at home last night to Virginia. It was a quad three loss. So uh, you just try to avoid bad losses this time of the year and then get the ones that are quad one opportunities to strengthen the resume. Yeah, so if you're looking for uh, reason for worry or pessimism or uh, you know, could this be a trap game? Things like that. It, it is worth noting, as Sean said, that uh, Kentucky has struggled in Columbia it, at this venue, uh, especially under Frank Martin, uh, two in a row, as as Sean talked about. So there, that is something to be said that this is an environment that Kentucky has typically, uh, maybe not even struggled against, but but uh, it's it's one they have uh, not put forth their best performances in uh, during Cal's time here, and especially during Frank Martin's time in. South Carolina. But Sean, outside of that, if you're looking for just straight X's and O's, it really is not a matchup that uh, should be worrisome for uh, Kentucky fans. They have two players that average over 10 points per game, Eric Stevenson and, and James Reese V, uh, or I guess just James Reese V. Um, and then Jermaine Kulsnard averages 9.6 points per game, but really not a, a, a terrifying Gamecock team. Uh, just just uh, 
not something that I, I think a lot of Kentucky fans are worried about. And I, I hope that this team doesn't have the same mindset, I think, as we do uh, in terms of just, just kind of this being a, a uh, holdover, waiting until the Florida game at home this weekend and, and just kind of uh, – this, this has trap game written all over it because this is not a, a South Carolina team that scares me all that much. Yeah, it does. And, I mean, that is concerning given, you know, that they've won some big games in recent weeks. And this one's on the road, a place where they don't typically play well down here. But it, it, something tells me that Kentucky is going to come out tonight and, and have their A game offensively. I think that they understand the challenge and the task at hand. I mean, they're they're sitting right there, Jack. We could be talking seven to ten days from now about Kentucky being projected on the one-seed line. Uh, it's a quad two game for Kentucky, so it wouldn't be a – like great win, but it certainly wouldn't be a bad win. Uh, any win away from home in conference play isn't bad. Uh, they're going to have some quad one opportunities coming up as well. The the Texas A&M game, I'm going to go ahead and predict, that doesn't remain a quad one. I think that's going to dip to a quad two, honestly, probably by the end of the week if Texas A&M loses another game. I think they're 70th in the net right now. They were 51st in the net when Kentucky played them. So uh, going to have to maybe – get another quad one win to replace it. Notre Dame on the positive side, though, Jack, looks like it's going to remain a quad one. They're up to 61 in the net, and they might win the ACC. Heck, yeah. Yeah, that that's definitely a, a uh, sight to be seen. I, I, this is a uh, – here, so here's the thing. Well, let's break down some of these numbers. The uh, Gamecocks average 70.8 points per game, shooting 42.5%. From the field, so they rank 227th in offensive efficiency, uh, 33rd in defensive efficiency, so that's at least uh, something positive about them. But they are 20th in the country in block shots at 5.23 per game. Um, they limit opponents to 40.3% from the field and force 15.6 turnovers per game, which ranks 40th nationally. So, and I guess they're also good on the glass as well. They rank 14th nationally there uh, in offensive rebounding at 13. Point two per game and 43rd in overall rebounds per game at, at uh, 38.6. So they're good on the glass. They uh, defend well, but goodness gracious, they uh, they are not an offensive powerhouse team whatsoever. Um, this is a team that it, this this could very well find. Uh, we could find ourselves in a uh, 7 p.m. snoozer tonight where it's a another rock fight where both teams are struggling to score, or it could end up being a blowout in Kentucky's favor. It is, this does not feel like a team that that could take advantage of Kentucky offensively and, and uh, really put a ton of points up on the board uh, that, that should really worry you. Uh, and, and any semblance of the imagination, Sean, this is not a uh, high-octane high offense if we've ever seen one. No, and it's a game where if Kentucky can cannot, you know, can keep South Carolina from getting hot, if Kentucky doesn't turn the ball over and get some transition points and some fast break, break points there, I think Kentucky can win this game by anywhere between 18 to 20. I, I think I said earlier today I, I picked Kentucky by 18. I know the line opened at 11 and a half in favor of Kentucky, I believe. So, uh, and South Carolina's going to take the three. They're going to shoot 20 plus, which means Kentucky's going to have to guard rebound. In this matchup, there's going to be some long rebounds. If you grab those, you get instant fast break opportunities. How many did you see the other day where Savir would get a rebound in his hand and they hit Keon Brooks up the floor for a quick dock or they threw the one up the floor and it was a nice lob pass? I know they got the ball the net quick and hit Mints around the floor. Kentucky's going to look to push the pace off a make or a miss 
But if, they, if these guards can can rebound, if Tata Washington can come up with four or five boards, Mint's come up with three or four, uh, Grady grab a couple, Kentucky will have some transition opportunities tonight. And if they do that and take care of the basketball and limit South Carolina to maybe six, seven made threes, I think Kentucky wins this game comfortably, honestly. Yeah. So here's here's a couple more stats to throw at you to uh, add some intrigue to what is uh, really amounting to. I mean, look, you go through the game notes, you go through uh, some of the pregame materials and things to try to ramp things up. Sean, I'm gonna be totally honest. There ain't a whole lot there. This is not an exciting team. This is not. They they don't do one thing in particular that really blows you away. There's not one player in particular that's gonna you know. There's not some, uh, you know, random seven foot five player that everybody goes, "Ooh, at least they have that." Or there's not some guy that puts up, you know, a Scottie Pippen Jr. that's going to average eighteen plus points per game. There's not that one main draw for this team. They're just kind of a a collective effort, muck things up, dirty things up, you know, tough, physical, hard nosed type team. Uh, so it, it kind of a boring matchup. But if you're looking for things to keep a close eye on that could make or break this game. Uh, the South Carolina game notes did point out, so Eric Stevenson and James Rees V, they are both the, the leading scorers for uh, the Gamecocks, but Keyshawn Bryant and Jermaine uh, Cuisinard, who if they score 10 or more points in a game, they'll got, the Gamecocks are a combined 11-1 overall. So that's something to keep an eye on. If 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 can if uh, South Carolina can get those two rolling, they have had quite a bit of success uh, this season. Um, so I guess that's that's the one thing that you can keep your keep your eye on. Cuisinart averages nine point six points per game. Brian averages seven point two. So uh, those are the those are the two guys. The the top two are going to be uh, the the top playmakers. But keep a close eye on uh, Brian and Cuisinart, and we will see. It. And I think. Is Cuisinart the the guy? Uh, yeah, he's the one that uh, hit the buzzer beater to to win back in 2020. Yeah. Uh, that's when Carolina came back down 14 and and beaten the number 10 Wildcats uh, on that buzzer beater from three. So uh, I guess that's that's another thing to keep an eye on. But again, it's uh it's kind of slim pickings out there when we're talking about the Gamecocks. Yeah, and it's another team that's honestly going to try to run with Kentucky. South Carolina is actually playing, you know, kind of fast this year. They'll they'll take the three. They'll get out and run in transition. And I think that, I mean, some people probably expect a rock fight. I, I actually think that this will be a little bit more entertaining game than what a lot of people think, though. And I know you mentioned a minute ago when you, you start reading things off, this it could be a boring matchup. And that I guess that's the thing that kind of scares you the most, right? Yes is uh, they don't really have those guys that you have to key in on and say, all right, you got to shut this guy down. You can't let this guy do this. This is kind of a, a team where you just go be you and, and take care of yourselves, and I think that you win the game. And uh, I think that this team, being a veteran team in Kentucky, that they're not going to overlook an opponent, especially away from home. Uh, they're going to have their struggles throughout games, but you're, if it's a bad start or a slow start, we saw the other day they're going to bounce right back and, and turn that thing around. I mean, they trailed that Alabama team 9-1 to one at one point, and I know they built a 14-point lead there in the second half. Uh, this feels like a team that doesn't get rattled, especially on the road, and uh, honestly, I think that they put together an impressive 40 minutes of basketball tonight at Columbia and kind of uh, take charge of 
that second spot in the SEC. And then uh, if you never know what happens with Auburn and Arkansas and some things there, I mean, the, the door's not shut on winning the regular season championship in the SEC. I know they're behind Auburn now, but it's a, it's a tough league. All these teams are going through tough games, night in and night out. And Kentucky, how about this, Jack? Up to number two in Ken Palm, 11th in defense, fifth in offense. I, I told you this before we started recording. Since Ken Palm has been recorded, there's only been three Kentucky teams finishing the top 10 in both those categories. It was the 2003 team that lost in the Elite Eight to Marquette. It was the national championship team in 2012 and the 38 and one team in 2015. So the metrics like Kentucky, and if the metrics are right, this is a really good Kentucky team that will have a chance to make a deep run here in a few weeks. Yeah, and you bring up – so you bring up the idea that this team could go down there and really put forth a solid effort and, and kind of put things all together. Uh, Sean, what do you think is clicking for this team right now where they have been able to to win by double digits at, at Alabama and, and winning in some of these hostile environments and not being able to uh, – you know, not falling under pressure, not crumbling late in the second half and, and – uh, you know, th- they haven't let go of the rope during this stretch uh, outside of the, uh, you know, the, the injury issues. And th- when this team has been healthy, this team has been able ha- has shown that they can beat anybody in college basketball. Uh, and uh, it, but just in particular, the, it just feels like everything is coming together at the right time for this team. What do you think that is? What do you give the, the most credit to uh, during this stretch that has allowed them to jump in those those advanced analytics and and you know, I mean even just in the normal the the normal polls are up to number five Joe Lenardi has them up to number five and his updated uh ranking so right outside that number one seed what has been working so well as of late they're playing both ends of the floor that is the biggest difference to me right now that that offensive metric has been there for a while we've talked about their offensive efficiency and when we first started talking about the efficiency offensively, we kept saying, what, they got to get better defensively. Mm-hmm. I know they dropped all the way down to like 29th or something in Ken Palmer, maybe even 30th or 31st there a few weeks ago. Now that's up to 11. And here's the thing, right? Your shot's not always going to travel, but your defensive game can travel. Hitting the glass can travel. Those are things that you can control. You can't control the ball going in the basket. And right now I'm seeing a team that when something goes bad offensively or if they're missing shots, they're that are locked in on the other end of the floor. Tata Washington, Jack, when you turn on the tape, is actually emerging into Kentucky's best defender. Yeah. And that's something I didn't know if I was going to say when the year started. You turn on the tape, the way he defends ball screens, the way he's doing closeouts. I mean, he is right there with these other guys, Xavier Wheeler, as being Kentucky's best defender. We know what Sheboy's doing, defending the post and getting steals. And it just seems like you have a team that's bought in. I noticed Kellen Grady being active defensively on the take for Alabama. I think that right there is what's carrying them in these wins at Texas A&M a few weeks ago, the win at Alabama Saturday. Like, they're able to win games in different ways. And I said this the other night, Kentucky's comfortable beating you in in a shootout, and they're comfortable beating you in a game that's in the low 60s. Like, I, I just think that this team right now, they're saying, all right, we'll, we'll beat you any way you want us to beat you. Yeah, and uh, uh, you, you talk about uh, 
Ty Ty Washington's defense, that was something actually when he came here out of high school, that was his biggest knock. They said, can he defend at even the collegiate level, let alone at the pro level? That was kind of the one knock on him, why he couldn't, uh, why he wasn't ranked in the top 10, top five, because he had the scoring, he had the shooting, uh, but but kind of defense was one of his biggest knocks. And now, like you said, you could argue that he's Kentucky's best perimeter defender. And I do want to add uh, and, and kind of get your take on this. Kentucky has, unro- has uh, I guess, um, they have laid out the red carpet, Sean, for Oscar Sheboy's Oscar campaign for national player of the year uh that is was an awesome video they released last night previewing it oscar had the sweetest quote on the uh, on the planet said uh you know i'm so i'm so excited to show my mom this she's going to be so proud Uh, and then today they released the official video it's like a movie trailer uh hyping up oscar sheway for national player of the year honors uh just what has oscar done during this stretch and and how he's been able to anchor the middle for kentucky uh and uh just uh do you think he deserves to be National Player of the Year at this point in the season with eight regular season games to go uh, and the, based on what the rest of the competition is doing in America? He, he's hands down the National Player of the Year, and here's why. When he gets 15 and 10, people say he has a bad game. That right there, in my opinion, makes you the National Player of the Year because that's not a bad game. Maybe to what he's you know kind of set the standard to be, it's it's a bad game in Oscar's mind, but – that right there tells me that you're the national player of the year. When you make stats that aren't average, like a double-double is definitely above average. But if he's not recording 17, 18 rebounds and getting 20 points, everybody thinks he's had a bad game. So that right there makes me say that he's the national player of the year. And and he's doing it on the glass when everyone has the same goal, and it's to keep him off the glass. And he might go for three or four rebounds in the first half, and then he comes back with 11 to 13 in the second half. Like He finds a way to make an impact even when he's not having his best night. Yeah, he's – I mean, just what he's doing, he has made uh, very – very uh, just superhuman things look absolutely normal. And uh, like we talked about on the show a couple weeks ago, over the last couple weeks, uh, he's making, we are normalizing something that is absolutely not normal. And uh, I I, I absolutely agree. He leads the nation in rebounds at 15.2 per game. Um, I mean, He's on the the Lute Olsen and and Wooden Award watch list for National Player of the Year, so he's already kind of in that in that ballpark. They're already kind of giving him the credit where it's due uh, from a watch list standpoint. But guys, uh, we are so far past that point of of you know conversation. We Oscar is clearly the National Player of the Year. He needs to make it happen. Uh, the uh, committee needs to make it happen. Stop overthinking this thing. What Oscar's doing is not normal. Let's. Uh, uh, give credit where it's due. The dude is absolutely deserving of it. Sean, um, we, uh, I, I talked a little bit about this on the show yesterday, the recruiting show, just I guess from a recruiting perspective. Uh, but it is, it is basketball season. It is current season news. But uh, John Calipari, release is, he releases an absolute bombshell on uh, the college basketball world, the NBA world, and uh, I guess especially from a local perspective. Uh, announcing that Shaden Sharp will not play the rest of this season. Uh, he has been a topic of conversation the last, I guess, since the minute he set foot on campus. And, and uh, with a will he, won't he question, what type of impact would he make? How soon would he play? Uh, if he would play at all, would he be a none and done? 
Um, John Calipari tries to cut out all of the BS, all of the rumors, all the speculation, all the noise by announcing he will not play uh, Sean. We had kind of started transitioning that narrative a little bit back that direction, thinking that, yeah, uh, odds are pretty good that he's not going to play at this point. Um, were you surprised at the timing of, of the news and just, I guess, the timing, uh, the news as a whole? Are you shocked at, at the news? And uh, what do you think of the timing of, of when he decided to put that out there? No and no. I, w- I wasn't shocked at the decision. I wasn't shocked at the timing because we kind of identified if he didn't play by that Vanderbilt game last week, I, I didn't think we'd see him this year. And then, honestly, not surprised. I, I, I do think this, though. The fact that Cal come out and released the tweet about it publicly, and I know the noise has been there, right? It's been every game. Is this the game? Are we on shade and watch? And, you know, you and I have talked multiple times that you had to at least prepare him to play, whether he played or not. You wanted to prepare just in case you had an injury that kept, like, tie-tie out for two to three weeks. Then the door's open for him to play. Well, they're healthy. They're playing well. But I do think that Cal sending the tweet out yesterday, I know when he first got here, he said the, the plan was to not play him this year. But then he was like, well, we'll test it out. We'll, we'll practice. We'll see how he does. I think him sending that yesterday at least tells us that he entertained the idea of possibly playing him this season. Just how I take it. Yeah, it was uh... – you know, I, I know, I understand the frustration on Kentucky fan side. I, I understand why there's such a uh, will he, won't he, the, uh, the back and forth on it. it, it's, it I, I understand why uh, I, I, there were some tweets out there saying pull his scholarship and things like that. Obviously, that's all, all that's nonsense, ridiculous, do, don't even go there. But I understand why there would be uh, some slight concern about uh, the fact that he very well could go pro after this year he's been declared eligible I guess he'll have to still apply for the waiver but uh, he will be eligible if he wants to Um, and and I I understand it it hurts for recruiting Kentucky now has to uh, if it unfolds that way Kentucky would have to find a replacement we talked a lot about those potential replacements yesterday but um, but yeah it's I think it, it was very telling that they decided to announce it when they did because it meant that John Calipari is that confident uh, in his current team. If, if things had unfolded differently with injuries or uh, Kentucky was struggling in this last stretch, they couldn't score the ball, all those different things, I totally would have understood if John Calipari said, all right, well, dude, you, you know, we need you to go in there and, and you know, give us 10 points a game. Give us something. Uh, be that three-level score we brought you in to be. I understand you weren't you know, I ideally didn't want to play, but I totally understand why it unfolded the way that they, it did. Kentucky's playing as, as well as it could. They're, uh, you know, you can only do, you can't do anything but hurt the offense right now. You're not going to average a hundred points a game. Putting him in there right now, I, I, it's a very kind of high risk, high reward type deal that I know John Calipari would not want to mess with at this point in time. So I get it. I understand. I, I see both sides of it. I, I do understand why Cal would not want to mess with it, why he wouldn't want to play play him. But I also understand the concern that uh, he very well could leave after this year. And, and you never know how the draft process will pl- play out. Uh, his people are still telling me that he's not going to go through the draft process, not going to work out for teams and all that stuff. So uh, I guess we got to take them for, for their word and see how, see what, how it all unfolds. But goodness gracious, I, it's a, uh, it's it's pretty monstrous news. I, I do, Sean, as you kind of touched on, I do uh, 
appreciate the fact that John Calipari is still putting out there. I, he's fully expecting him to come back next season, thinks that he's going to be a part of this. And I did, I will note an update from yesterday. Um, I, I didn't, wasn't able to bring this up on the show yesterday. I got a text today. It said, everybody I talked to fully expects Shaden to come back. So uh, that's, that's for, you know, recruiting purposes for next year and people associated with that 2022 recruiting class. So Sean, I, they're all saying the right things, uh, even if it goes against common sense. It uh, it feels like that. It's it's up in the air, but you know you never know. I I understand both sides of it completely. Well, and right now you kind of just have to take Shaden and his camp at his word. I mean, that's the only thing that you can go off. If if that's been the plan all along, and that's what they're saying, we really have no choice but to think that that is exactly how it's going to unfold. But uh, obviously, moving throughout the spring. Let's just say that he's not. Let's say that he does decide to declare for the draft and leave. Kentucky's got to find help in the portal, and because uh, it'll be it'd be hard to replace what he would bring to next year's roster. But you have to think that him and Cal have sat down, him and the family have sat down, and, and they've discussed this whole plan, and, and they're on the same page with it. Uh, probably no surprises right now. Obviously, with with his eligibility for the draft and everything, uh, you have to trust that Cal and everybody has this thing covered, and they've talked it out and figured it out, and uh, whatever they've decided, you just got to go with right now and just think, as of right now, we'll talk like he is going to be on next year's roster until that changes. Yep, that's kind of the the point I'm making and the point I'm going to continue to uh, have moving forward. I'm not going to – I understand why there'd be some hesitancy, but I'm not going to go against – what they're all saying and, and, you know, call them out as liars and say, well, I don't believe them. And all. I mean, at this point it is what it is. And uh, we just kind of got to have to let, let things fall as they, as they will. And as they have, and uh, keep moving forward. All I know is I like this team. Uh, I don't think there was an immediate need to change things, how they were rolling. I don't think you had to add another offensive spark. I think things are working and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, so I guess we'll see Sean. Yeah, and, and I'm okay with how they approached it by not completely shutting it down until yesterday because you just didn't know. Late December, January, the injury happens. Like we, we saw the injuries at LSU and at Auburn. If one of those had been season-ending or three or four weeks, you, you kind of look at it and say, all right, is he ready to play? Is is he going to be able to help us? But, you know, obviously this was the, the plan that was mentioned at the beginning and it ended up being what they stuck with, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, we'll see. Let's uh, start slowly uh, wrapping this thing up and kind of you know give some predictions and how we think this thing is going to roll, uh, some uh, anticipated MVPs. Uh, I think we didn't get to give MVPs a last pregame show. We forgot, so I want to make sure we stick with that uh, with, with that stuff. So let's, uh, let's start going into that, Sean. Give me a final score. A an MVP and a uh, what needs to happen for Kentucky to come out with a, a convincing win uh, in Columbia? I'll go Kentucky eighty-two, South Carolina sixty-four. Since I picked it by eighteen, I'll stick with that. I'm going to go Xavier Wheeler as my MVP tonight. A uh, couple of games without a made field goal, he's stayed committed to doing what's best for the team, and I think he breaks through tonight and gets to about sixteen, seventeen points. Seven, six or seven assists, and I think that he has one of his better games in recent weeks. And I just think Kentucky needs to guard rebound, limit the threes, hold South Carolina to maybe six or seven made threes, and then get out and run and transition and just be Kentucky 
if they do that, I think Kentucky gets out of there with a pretty impressive win. Yeah, I, I'm going with uh, – I, I think – so the spread, I believe, is down to 11 points as we are recording this. Uh, so I'm going to say it's a uh, it's a convincing win but not an absolute blowout. I think Kentucky wins 80-65. to 65. They win by 15 points in Columbia. My MVP is going to be Oscar Shibway because uh, this is going to play into my key, biggest key to the game with uh, with them being such a, a high-profile offensive rebounding team. They thrive on the glass. Um, I, I do think that Oscar is going to be that difference maker in terms of the defensive glass on, on his end, uh, and I do think that he finds a little bit. I know, as we talked about, 10 and 15, uh, what he's been putting up. He's been struggling for his standards, but not from a national perspective. He's still been playing phenomenally uh, from that perspective, but I, I do think we get our dominant Oscar Sheboy again tonight. I th- I'm going for a, a 20 and 20 game for Oscar, an efficient 20 points for him as well. Uh, so he's going to be my MVP, and, and that's my key to the game, that Kentucky, after two games in a row of losing on the glass, I think uh, Kentucky goes out there and, and they uh, they out tough out physical the Gamecocks in Columbia and and they uh, grind out a, a tough uh, hard nosed fifteen point win uh, against Frank Martin in the uh, uh, South Carolina Gamecocks. Sean, hard hard to believe that Frank Martin's been in South Carolina a decade now, right? Isn't it? I I've, I've remember. Uh, vividly the uh, talk about him at K-State and what he was back then and uh, all that stuff. And, and uh, it, it's, it's crazy seeing that, that – don't want to call him a psychopath, but he had that big fiery personality at K-State, and he's been uh, – when he came to South Carolina, I remember the narrative like, oh, well, how is he going to adjust there? How is uh, he going to bring that basketball tradition there? And uh, he's he's done – Okay, not great, but he's he's been a lot of fun to cover and and follow along with during his time there. I'm I'm ex- excited for another uh, uh, bench breakout uh, screaming match from Frank Martin. He's always a good time. Yeah, and let's just hope that John Calipari sticks around for forty minutes. You know, I that I almost almost <laughs> almost threw that in as a uh, as an added bonus. Does this not feel like a John Calipari ejection game? It kind of feels like uh, a slow start. Some of that physical, tough, tough-minded stuff I talked about uh, in the first 10, 15 minutes, he gets pissed off uh, and decides to throw himself out the game. Uh, and then we get a, an a Orlando Antigua coaching debut for the season, and uh, he leads them to victory in, in Columbia. I kind of feel like this feels like a a, a technical setup where he could we could find ourselves a, a, an Orlando Antigua coaching debut today. Do you, do you think it would be Antigua or would it be Bruiser? Well, I just saw somebody tweet about it. Who would it be in, in, in that in that case? Um, I think because Orlando is named associate head coach, like Kenny Payne was back in the day, I think that it would be Orlando. But, you know, maybe he trusts Bruiser as this, the right-hand man guy. I don't know. What, what do you think? Ah. Uh. I give it to Chen. Let Chen stand up and do it. <laughs> well, and uh, that's another funny thing. Uh, it's something that I was kind of asking about you. Uh, you, you being a coach, that's something that has been brought up in passing. Uh, they have a love hate relationship, unlike any I've seen. Uh, John Calipari and Chen Coleman on the bench. What do you make of that? Do you like it? And uh, what what do you think uh, would would unfold if if uh, Chin Coleman was the head coach tonight? If if John Calipari were to get ejected, uh, 
I like that relationship. I mean, it shows some fire. You see a guy on the bench that's not just sitting there. That you have a guy over there now who is up screaming instructions. He's yelling, and I, I don't know if maybe earlier in the year if they got like a, a a bench warning or something for maybe too many people standing up. But there have been a couple of times where Cal's turned and told him to sit down. Yeah. But does it phase Chin? No. Chin's right back up doing his thing, and he, he doesn't look mad or anything at Cal. Like he, I, I just think that you need those people on your bench. That bench was too quiet for a very long time. It's it's not quiet anymore. You've got Antigua up doing stuff. You've got Bruiser doing stuff. You've got Chin doing his thing. Like I like the energy on the bench this year. Man, I, I said this on, the, on my uh, Sunday morning radio show after the fact. I absolutely agree. I could not love it anymore. I think that it was way too quiet on the bench. I completely agree. I think uh, there was – I don't want to call it a yes-man mindset, but – uh, you need you need somebody to to throw ideas off of. You need somebody to disagree with. You need somebody to uh, you know get up in your face and say, "Cal, what are you doing here? This is not the right call." You need Cal to get up and uh, you know when Chin has a bad uh, you know a, a bad scout on a team or you know something goes wrong with something he does. I want Cal to get up in his face and say, dude, what the hell are you doing? I love that accountability. I think that's exactly what this team needed. It needed a shot in the arm, and I think that's exactly what uh, that is doing. There's a lot of people talking, oh, I think Chin's going to be gone after a year. I just don't think they have a good relationship on the on the bench. I, I could not disagree more. I think they have a great relationship. I think there's a lot of mutual respect there. Uh, I, I think that Chin is a young, feisty you know, Chicago dude, and, you know, I think that's kind of what made him so appealing whenever John Calipari was looking for, for a replacement. I think that he wanted somebody that's young with new ideas, new takes on things uh, who will hold him accountable but won't be, you know, won't shell up and, and clam up whenever, uh, you know, that criticism gets thrown back his direction, Sean. Uh, I know you have a little bit yeah. of a different perspective as a coach, but, man, I love, I love, love, love their relationship. Well, when you're a coach, you need people on that bench that are going to talk to you and not just talk to you, but talk back at you Yeah, and fire back and say, you know, I, I think in recommendations, I think we should, all right, they're, they're doing this. I, I think we should approach this or let, let's try this number. And then you, you kind of find that middle ground and you need those people in your ear in a positive way. And I think that that bench is, is there right now. I think that they're collectively doing a lot of things and look, give credit to John Calipari. We, a lot of us talked all off season that he needed to change his philosophy and do all this stuff. I really don't think the philosophy changed offensively. I think that what changed was they put the right people in the right spots and they have a well-oiled machine right now, but he also made some staff changes too. And I think that he understood last year was bad. And give him a ton of credit. He's got it figured out, and he's got Kentucky back where, where it should be. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. I love their relationship, love everything about this team, every video, every picture, every meme, everything that they post right now. Uh, I'm just falling more and more in love with this team, and it's it's been an absolute joy. So uh, let's hope that run continues and things continue to uh, uh, fall into place as they should tonight. It, it should Emphasis on should be a a, a solid win in, in Columbia. Um, this isn't a, a team to be too worried about, and and not a whole lot of threats to beat you. So um, let let's hope that things go as they should. And Sean, you come home safely uh, from Columbia with uh, bringing home a victory. 
Yeah, and uh, I'm assuming we'll be back with a post-game show tonight. I'll have a four-hour drive home. So yeah. I'll, uh, I'll have all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah, it, it may be it may be a late one uh, after post game duties and, and all that stuff. But man, I'm all the way for it. We're, we we uh, I, I like our back to back to back shows this week as promised. I love I love fulfilling our uh, our promises to the listeners because I know that we've we've kind of been a little inconsistent at times this year. But I think we're finding our finding our groove just like this team is, Sean. So uh, let's uh, get out of here with one final message from our friends at Prize Picks. The NBA season is well underway, and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former Wildcats play than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the games, Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their projection. Prize Picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct. The Super Bowl is here. Plenty of bets to make there. Uh, offense, defense, receiving, uh, you know, passing yards, receptions, touchdowns, you name it. There are so many different things to go with. Uh, add in some of those players to your picks uh, with their over-under projected receiving, rushing, or passing yards. There's tackles. There's fumbles. There's uh, all sorts of fun stuff that you could throw in there for uh, the Super Bowl. It's going to be a lot of fun. Download the Prize Picks app or visit prizepicks.com and sign up using promo code PILGRIM. That's P-I-L-G-R-I-M to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on, on your first deposit. Don't forget that's the Prize Picks app or prizepicks.com using promo code PILGRIM to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former Kentucky stars to the next level. Sean, uh, let's get uh, the heck out of here. Where can fans find your work? Uh, you can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. You can find me on Twitter as well at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back later tonight with a post-game edition of the Sources Say podcast. We will see you then.